0: Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark, and this is Gordon, and we love talking about baseball. And so we're back again this week, doing something we kind of talked about in the last few episodes intermittently in terms of looking at guys across eras. And I think it's interesting because as much of this is an, an interesting examination of three different players who are all basically right on the cusp of the Hall of Fame, I think it's just also interesting comparing and contrasting guys that While eras in the game of baseball has changed subtly across the different eras of baseball, the stat lines of Hall of Famers strangely really hasn't. You kind of know when you look at a guy's career still, and it doesn't really matter when. If you're a Hall of Fame player, the numbers don't lie a lot of the time. I think,
1: uh, you know, when you were talking about looking at, at careers in retrospect, some of the things that people did can look better over time, right? So, like, if you have a good on base average at the time uh, that, that you have were reevaluated in the 70s and 80s, that wasn't nearly as important as a high batting average.
0: Right. But I think it's, and along those lines, though, as much as we might look at a guy and say he was underappreciated for his time, I don't think we're going to find a guy that was under, like, like looked down upon before as not a good player. And then we're like, Oh no, this guy was actually good. Even if you weren't a, even if maybe the way you played the game was a bit different back then, you know, you are a high average high on base guy, you know, from a, like a, you know, a John Oleroot type at first base and you're not mashing for power. We might look at your, your career and go, oh, wow, he was way better than, you know, he was perceived as. But like you if you still hit 300 every every year, you probably were still play, somebody would find a spot for you. Absolutely. and Absolutely. You could only be overlooked so much, I think, is my point.
1: So the three players uh, and one of them is named Bonds,
0: but not Barry Bonds. No, because he's he's kind of unquestioned. <laughs> if you're looking at Barry Bonds numbers, yeah. he's a Hall of Famer and it's there's no discussion. But Barry's old
1: man, uh, Bobby, and I'll probably talk more about Bobby because I actually watched this guy play, right? Uh, and 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 then so Bobby Bonds, Eric Davis, who unfortunately you didn't get to see play, or if you did, I, you I saw were, him at the
0: tail end yeah, of his yeah, career when he really, was not the player he was before I was born. That's kind of like the issue: is that he's the front half of his career is considerably more impressive than the back half of his career. Well, and
1: an injury riddled career actually, and that's that's one of the reasons why he you know has the lowest WAR, if you will, of these three players. The third player is joe mauer so we have two outfielders uh, and a catcher first baseman really
0: catcher first baseman joe mauer
1: right because joe mauer played 900 odd games at catcher and he combined for 900 games between 600 first base and about 300 and
0: and i I kind of feel for mauer in a sense because in some ways he's got a catch 22 where having played 900 games at catcher is a bonus to him because but at the same time it's a detriment Because he only played 900 games at catcher.
1: Well, 900 games at catcher. I'd say these days that would be six seasons, maybe seven seasons almost. Right. right? 130 games a season, something like that. And
0: I think, I mean, if we want to start with Maurer, I think one of the things that I'm going to say is for a guy that played only six or seven seasons at catcher, he needed to be a lot more dominant offensively for me to excuse only playing six or seven seasons at catcher.
1: Okay, so let's well we'll, we'll do in reverse then. We'll, yeah. do, we'll do we'll do Mauer first because he's the one you know, and you'll be able to talk more to this because uh, we certainly ber- both watched this guy's play. This guy play um, a couple of stats for yeah. you just so we can hear what they are. So he had a, a career WAR of fifty five. Um, And interesting about these three guys, um, they all had war under 60. Eric Davis significantly under because of his injuries. Um, And they all had um, about the same ops, 124 for Maurer. Um, It was 125 for Derek Davis and 129 for for Bobby Bonds. That's really interesting.
0: Right. Which I think kind of tells you that, especially because these are three guys that are all just on the outside of the Hall of Fame. This is about the lie. Like, Like if you're looking at three guys that you're like, okay, these... These are guys that are good, but just not quite good enough to be Hall of Famers.
1: The podcast is called Almost Cooper's Down, folks. And they're living
0: there. These guys are poster children. And,
1: and, and I just want to point out that I think all of them are even underappreciated because some of the things they did over their career today kind of like make you open your eyes going, wow, why wasn't so, so, so let's talk about Maurer first. You know, those first few years, like you said, right? Uh, do gold gloves in there, right? And, and and talk about that a little bit. Right,
0: right. I think it's interesting he three with Maurer. Gold gloves he in three, three straight gold years. gloves in three straight years. But most people, especially if you talk to twin fans that watched in that era, they would all tell you Maurer was not a great defensive catcher by any stretch of the imagination. Um, he
1: did win an MVP. So, so the, the beginning of his career, and when we talk about his stats, so he he, um, he comes up at 21 and, and plays a, a handful of games, uh, and then in, in 2005 it was his first year. So he is. So Davis is done. He's been done for a few years. Bonds obviously was done before Davis. got oh, yeah. started. So three different eras, which kind of makes this a, a little bit interesting in that respect. So he hits he hits 294 as a, as a rookie. He hits 347, leading the league in '06 at catcher. Okay. He hits 293 in 07. He hits 328, leads the league at catcher, batting title. That's two. He hits 365 in 2009, wins a batting title. Um, at was that catcher. the year he won the MVP? That's the year he won the MVP. How many home runs did he hit that year? Um, he only had 20, 28. That's still a pretty good that, season. That's probably season. his
0: best season, which is why. Probably? He, yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Which is why he won an MVP that year. 365 so, and 28 home runs. You'll take that from your catcher. But the problem is that the home run total in a lot of other seasons was not. Not there well no no
1: you're so right actually because that was the last year he ever hit more than 11
0: right and i and i think that that was one of the things is that he never developed into that kind of power hitter which i think reputationally hurt him a lot Because people weren't interested in a catcher that hit a lot of singles. I remember that being something talked about on ESPN and SportsCenter all the time back in the day. Is that you know, is a catcher that hits a bunch of singles great?
1: Well, hold on there. Hold on there. Let's talk about then his slugging, because that would that would sort of speak against that. And his career slugging percentage is four thirty nine. That's not great. Yeah, no, that's yeah.
0: <laughs> it. You gave it hot there, and then the point kind of fell apart as it got to the actual stat. I
1: did. His career ops at 827, we talked about that a little bit, and his ops plus at 124. These are all very good numbers, but far from that one season we talked about in 2009 where he had a 444 on-base percentage, 587 slugging, and 1,031 ops. There right, he is, I y'all. think if he, he had a bunch of those if, seasons. If he had
0: done that for two or three seasons in a row or something similar to that, then I think you're talking about Mauer as a lock for the hall of fame. And, and I, but I, with that only that one season that was like that, where he was, cause like the thing is, the problem is when you look at Mauer's career, he was an offensive force for one season outside of that. The guy is
1: that's it, a little harsh. I mean, like, I would, I would say this, uh, one season, he had a, an exceptional one season. Right, I and then he won a that.
0: couple batting titles. Oh, well, yeah, a few batting titles. Few batting, but then in, <laughs> and then in a lot of his other seasons, what's the difference between Maurer and a weak-hitting second baseman? He plays catcher. Is, does it make it worse in some respects? No, no, it doesn't. So, So does he have... So if you go to the seven
1: years, right, the Jay right. Jaffe's seven years, he's his 9, and ten. That's uh, I'm not good at math, but I not think seven. That's not seven. That's six years because after he hit three twenty seven in two thousand ten, then the injuries really started hitting him hard. And by age twenty eight, and this is what really kills him, right? He, he hits two eighty seven, but he only plays eighty two games. Yeah, and then the games. He hits three nineteen at 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 age twenty nine, or hundred forty seven games. So that's another very good season. He doesn't win the batting title. He hit three twenty four, but by now he's already you know
0: he's, he's transitioning out of being into a being a first baseman dh and as soon as you get to that his value drops because there's a lot more guys that can kind of do what he's doing at those positions he was when he was a catcher he was unique so i think it's just interesting with mauer because his catching time both helps elevate him into that conversation well at the same time because he didn't do it for long enough also hurts him
1: so so he kind of becomes a little like thurman Munson.
0: Right, right.
1: I mean, and I never really thought about that before. But Munson, who I think should be in the Hall of Fame, actually uh,
0: over Maurer right now. Right, I think. I, I, I put think him the over difference from for Munson is he did all ten seasons at catcher, and his reason. Now you could argue whatever. Like his re- ultimate reason for not playing more games was. He wasn't his reason for getting forced out of the catcher position was very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well said. Exactly, exactly.
1: You get to the end of Maurer's career, and just to show you, to your point, right? So, 2017, right? His second to last year, he plays 141 games for, for the 600 uh, at bats, uh, excuse me, played appearance, 600 played appearance. He has seven homers, bats 305. Um, as, as a DH first baseman, uh, I, I just, that's like
0: not that. Thrilling. Exactly. I think that's what's gonna hurt Maurer in the end, and especially in this kind of argument where if we're ranking these three guys, here's
1: my my argument would be that the catcher position is underrepresented in the Hall of Fame. And and if you're gonna go back and take a look at guys, he's a guy you gotta take a look at. We're
0: taking a look at him, but I still say no. Okay. Okay. putting if if we're ranking these three guys as likely to get in, he's number two for me.
1: So a career batting average of three oh six. That's pretty good. That's, that's well, no, that's, that's, better than pretty good but he didn't do all of those years at catcher would have had a lot more now if you took his years as catcher he probably has more than a 300 average for the years he was catcher there. oh yeah but he just wasn't a catcher for long enough yeah you well know, yeah i i only half his career makes it difficult when you can compare him to the great catches of all time yeah so let's go to uh eric davis we'll come back down the line mm-hmm. so he he is uh, the least at bats because of injury so he only had 5300 at bats
0: yeah, i mean looking at his career the difference basically before the, the Eric Davis is pre nineties, post nineties as a player, basically, because once he gets into the nineties injuries take
1: over. Right, right. And, and when he came up, you know, so he went to Crenshaw high school in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of that because I was, not, I was left at LA already, but having been out there, you kind of knew Crenshaw, Daryl Strawberry. And he were high school teammates. Um, they must have been w- quite the team. Have been quite a team, right? And the two of them sort of had a friendly competition between them, although you knew that they had a lot of affection for one another. Well, Eric Davis came out, and he was just the most exciting player at 21 years old um, and had so, – so what I always remember him for was that stretch, right, where um, over a 162 peri- uh, game period from 1986, so he comes up in 84, so by June of 1986, June 11th to July 4th, 1987, so basically a year, right, mm-hmm. yeah, 162 games he batted 308 406 on base 622 slugging 47 homers 149 run score 123 rbis 98 stolen bases
0: yeah you do yeah if that was a complete (laughs) season you're winning the mvp running away with it right
1: right and 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 was a very good defender although what's really interesting about about davis is i remember him being a really good defender and this goes to show you how how rating statistics right so his defensive war right for his career is negative 9.1 and it wasn't all at the end of his career. So even when he's winning gold gloves, right? He he has a zero, zero a negative point zero six. Uh, excuse me, point six, negative point six. He wins a gold glove,
0: right? Because because reputation mattered. Negative so, two point two. About he this. wins a gold glove. We talked about this. How so who else was playing center field? Nobody. No, because it was about the, the gold glove was a reputation and name award. You you had to like so if you were a guy. For instance, that played a bad center field, but because you played a bad center field, you made a lot of highlight catches. Like you had to make a lot of diving catches because you played too shallow, and so you had to, con- or you played too deep, so you constantly had to come sprinting in to make catches like that. You would look like a better defielder because the 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 way we used to evaluate defenders wouldn't look at the balls that he just never could have gotten to as a bad defensive play. Well, he he would have gotten to them. That particular guy certainly before his injury, right, but-, but not if he's playing in the wrong spot. So they hit it to a point he, no matter how fast he was, he could never run there. But if he was playing in a better spot, he would have had it. So he played the pre-steroid era, and,
1: and you go through – again, I think it's going to be the same sort of situation with Maurer to a degree because he has this period of excellence that is not long enough to get him into a conversation as being, man, what
0: could have been with this guy? I think for Davis, it's much more of what could have been because while Maurer lost a bunch of the seasons toward the end of his career, I mean realistically after, after Davis' age 28 season, he had maybe like two seasons that were fully healthy
1: well and he and he played the end of his career in the uh, brunt of the steroid era, would you say? Right, correct. You know, through there. So, but and he didn't hit a, uh, any home runs to speak of at that point. So he came out early in his career in eighty six, eighty seven, eighty twenty seven homers, thirty seven homers, twenty six homers, thirty four homers, and he's stealing eighty bases, fifty bases, thirty five. So the guy has three hundred and forty nine career steals and two hundred eighty two career home runs. And remember, he had about twenty twenty five percent fewer at bats uh, than Maurer. and the guy. And we'll he lost a full season Bons. in ninety
0: five. Right,
1: right. Well, and then that was the. Um, that was the strike,
0: right? But that's what I'm saying. So he also lost in, in the prime of his career, if you would. Maybe he would have been 33,
1: maybe not so much. well, well today you might you might be the prime. But at that time, I, you know, I'm not sure that. Right, he did was.
0: have a couple of renaissance years in '96 and '98, where he bounced back and had good seasons for the end of his career. Yeah,
1: MVP votes on a, on a good Oriole team in the late '90s and '98. So you know that's. In fact, he had MVP votes in five consecutive years. That's it. That's the almost guy, right? Right.
0: He's close. <laughs> he's close, but there was just not. There was too much injury, and the problem with injury is you can't be like, oh well, because he was injured, let me give him a little bit of a bump. No, he no, is, no, your it, career is what your career his is. His career is what his career we're, is. We're gonna on this podcast. We will say we love David
1: Wright, and 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 he is
0: probably not, not going to be. All, famer. No. he's not a hall of famer for the Mets, but yeah, not, he's a hall of famer, not, he's, not an actual no, Cooper. No,
1: and that really and, pays and, me and, to and say that, me, but it's true. And I
0: look at a guy like Davis, and on this list, Davis goes in third for me
1: behind. Yeah, behind Bobby Bonds. Well, we'll talk about Bobby in a behind second. Maurer. And Ma- behind Mauer. Behind Mauer. And and Davis's injuries, obviously, as we talked about with the things. You know, so 269 for his career, that's not sexy, particularly when Davis got out of baseball, right, to say you had it. He could have put 271 up. It would have been better than 269. It he only a, had 36 career war. Yeah, well, and that's because he was injured a lot. Look at the, the amount of games he played at the end of his but career the, the, really The, the issue
0: him. is, is Mauer had, what, 55? Yeah.
1: Mauer was hurt a lot. Yep. Yep. So
0: the fact that even you can't you can't use that as excuse well, for it's, Davis. It's
1: the it's the games, right? So in ninety one he plays eighty nine games. So that's that's a little more than half a season. Well, Seventy six and ninety two. Twenty three and 93, 37 and this is for the whole season. Yeah, he
0: basically from
1: he had like he didn't even play. He, he must have lost like four seasons or five. From seasons From Ninety three
0: onwards, he played from ninety three to two thousand one. He only played what would be considered a full season in two of those years. Right,
1: that hurts a lot. Right, right. So it hurts his stats, but you didn't see him play. You probably didn't hear much about Eric Davis. So no, by the time one I would have, been, by the time player.
0: I would have been aware of him, he was in the twilight of his career and he was just an injured old guy. But but what you know you forget what made him
1: remarkable was that, you know, he also was a comeback player of the year because he survived colon cancer. Oddly enough, both he and Darryl Strawberry have survived colon cancer. Weird. Right? Went to the same high school, great almost baseball players now, that for the That is kind of strange. Fame, but really kind of weird. So, and, and, and at the end of his career, um, excuse me, early in his career, third year, he became the first player in MLB history to hit three Grand Slams in one month. Like why is that an important stat? It's not (laughs) in one month. We're talking about the calendar thing. It's not Uh, an important But he was the first to achieve at least thirty homers and fifty stolen bases in the same season. That well, considering
0: who we're about to talk about,
1: that's meaningful, right? Right. I, I don't know that Canseco, who was I think the first 40 40-40
0: guy. I forgot that Alfonso a,
1: Soriano was a forty. 40 I don't think guy. they ever. Nobody they was was ever fifty.
0: Nobody was ever fifty. So Eric 50. Davis
1: kind of owns that little little piece. So let's let's talk about Barry Bonds. Who well, Bobby Bonds? Uh, Bobby Bonds. Um, well, Barry Bonds, whose dad, <laughs> Bobby Bonds, um, played. You know. So I remember watching this guy early in his career because it's just when I started becoming, you know, sort of a fan of baseball. So late 1960s. Yeah, I'm old. Um, so he played 14 years, a uh, career war of 57.8, not far from Maurer's 55. Uh, we already talked about the Ops Plus and then the Slug, they're all being somewhat similar between these guys. Again, he, the damning thing for, for for Bobby Bonds is the 268 career batting average. There it is. And right, we were like just.
0: eliminates him off the we top. We were just slamming Eric Davis for that.
1: It's like so. I would say gonna, I'm just saying that's what happened to him when he finished. Like, like, well, okay, he had 332 career home runs. Well, that's 300 home runs. It's not 400. That used to be the ticket in his time, certainly. He had 461 stolen bases. Well, that's really interesting. The combination of home runs and stolen bases puts him way up there. He had three gold gloves. Three of gold, glove, again, and again, and his career uh, D war It's always good to look at these things. Um,
0: you know, uh, it's flat. Right, but compa- considering who he's up against, that's meaningful. Right, in the outfield. Well, especially when we're comparing these three oh, guys. Oh, I see, I see, yes, yes, yes. Um, and
1: he had black ink, as as Baseball Reference puts it out there. And one of the things I remember about Bobby Bonds was, guys struck out a ton. He struck out when guys like Kingman were striking
0: out a ton and were bad. And, and, and strikeouts were looked down a lot, a lot more That a guy that struck out was considered a worse player. Now, interestingly, with, you know, that, that's such a weird thing, because I think that an individual player that strikes out a lot is not a bad thing. At the a, time, it was thought so, though. Yeah. A team that strikes out a lot is a bad thing, because <laughs> I think you could have a guy or two in your lineup. That strikes out a bunch, but when you have a t a whole lineup of guys that strike out a lot, it's really hard to get innings put together.
1: And I and I don't remember they didn't track stuff like exit velocities and, and, no. and things that they, at the time that that uh, certainly that Bobby Bonds played, much less the other two guys. Um, but interesting about him in in his second year, he he has a very good. Very good year, um, except that he has he bats 259 with 187 strikeouts and 32 homers. But he gets MVP votes. He was 30th in the MVP. But going on from there, he led the league in strikeouts the next year at 189. Somehow he bats 302 with an on-base of 375. He struck out 189 times. That's not easy to do. You must be hitting the ball really hard when you do hit it because you're striking out a ton.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think when you look at a guy like him, and I think the thing was, Bobby was the kind of guy where you would be like, okay, you know what? It's okay that he's striking out a ton because just him getting on, getting in the batter's box is valuable because there's a chance he hits it out. Or if he gets on first base, he's immediately putting pressure on the other team. So you're going to send him up there telling him to swing out of his shoes because he- – you want him to do that. I think you wanted him, so so he
1: played uh, with an aged, aging Willie Mays at that point. So he didn't come up till sixty eight, and Mays was gone by seven. And the Giants won the NL West in seventy one. Uh, Willie McCovey was at that point probably the better of the two, big uh, power of, uh, hitter big power hitter so Bobby Bonds is like third right any team that's got Willie Mays on it by the way and and and, and McCovey for that matter is probably you're not going to be
0: first or second you're no, going to be third a, well also those two guys are hall of famers and uh exactly Bobby Bonds uh, was not. not
1: and I don't even know that they've made a great case for him other than in looking at his career the point here was wow he was better than I remember and I wonder how much of it was bias because he played with McCovey and Mays uh, and he's because he struck out a lot at the time we all remember who watched him play that Oh, yeah, he's a guy who's got some speed. Yeah, I love 460. I think, solid. yeah, he, he had a some home runs, but he
0: strikes out a lot. Yeah, that was, was, was right. But we look at a guy like that. If you take a guy like that. I mean, if you told me that we could have, we'll get a career, a, an outfielder right now, he'll steal you 35, 40 bases and hit you 30 home runs and bat 270. Every major league team would be raising their hands and being like, Hi, yes, please sign us up. Thank you. Today, today, yeah. yeah. Oh, we got hesitation. Yes, yes. So you you really like the fact that uh,
1: Bobby Bonds was the first player to have more than two seasons of 30 home runs and 30 home runs. I think five
0: times. Yeah, and that's something not a lot of people have done. That's a very exclusive club. And he was the first to do
1: it in both leagues. Well, I guess that's important. No, no, it's not. Know, not really the second player to hit three hundred home runs and
0: steal three hundred bases, joining Willie Mace. So yeah, well, that that's a thing for Bobby. Is that for him in comparison to the other two guys we're talking about today? I feel like there's a lot more places where he's in rarefied or stratified air because of his accomplishments. Whereas I feel that the other two guys don't have that element to their careers.
1: And and the old question of which brother combination, uh, excuse me, which father son combination has the most home runs in Major League history, it's not the Griffies.
0: It's the Bonds. <laughs> it's
1: the Bonds obviously with over what, a thousand home runs between, almost a thousand? Yeah. Runs, over a thousand home runs between them, right? Barry's 760 and. Uh, 1100. Yeah, almost, almost 1100. Um, he was a leadoff hitter, Barry uh, Bobby Bonds, which I think was interesting. Um, he also set major league records for most times leading off a game with a homer.
0: Until Ricky broke it. Yeah,
1: Ricky broke that record and, and took that. His. Um, 12th in stolen bases when he retired, 11 times top 10 in stolen base. So, so he was among the lead top 10 home run hitters nine
0: times. So yeah, he was a, one of the league's top home run and stolen base guys, which is a claim that very few players can make. And I think that to me is why, like, if I'm saying of these three guys, which one would I put in the Hall of Fame first? I would put Bobby Bonds in first. But like me, you wouldn't put any of him in. I, I think Bonds is the closest, and I think he's the one that I would probably feel the best about arguing for. So The other guys feel like I'm doing it more as an academic exercise to be, like, argue them because, like, I want to expand the hall, so I'm going to use these guys as justification, whereas if I'm applying the actual standards they have right now, I wouldn't argue for either one of them. There's a world in which I could be convinced to say Bobby Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame right now.
1: Yeah, I, I – probably just fall short of that because of the bias of having watched him play mm-hmm. and knowing that I just, when I watched him, he seemed like the third guy on the Giants. Right, right. I think, <laughs>
0: yeah, I guess the thing is when I'm third to Willie Mays and Willie McCovey. True.
1: True. true. Um, well, um, do you think, so who gets into the hall of fame first, Barry or Bobby?
0: If one of them gets in Barry. Yeah, I think I hope, I hope so. He should just because, I can't – like, I don't think – like, without basically cause – because I think the writers would never put in Bobby before they put in Barry because it would be such a thing. That's the kind of thing that would, that would like thumbing your nose at right. That would be the that kind of – That would be exactly of, what the writers it would be, do. It would be such a <laughs> – but it would be such a directly spiteful thing that, like, to me, that would be the kind of thing that actually might prompt them to change how they do the Hall of Fame voting. Oh, we can only hope. Because – That would be that would because it's like, okay, people can kind of ignore it as it is right now. But if the writers put in Bobby, it would be such a clear shot at Barry in a sense. Yes. Like even though they are honoring his father, it would be such a clear shot at Barry that I think that would motivate fans to be like, okay, enough is enough. It's dumb that the Hall of Fame vote has turned into something political.
1: Yeah, absolutely Now, if you had to put a player in from the era after mauer right so mauer finished his career what in somewhat oh recent. 18 so, yeah, yeah I, I can't i'm trying to think like there's nobody that that you could put into this slot just yet because it's gonna be L- you know who it's gonna it be longoria Oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. we talked about him before. He's probably he's got good, 300 career home right, runs. He's going
0: to be a guy that you're going to look at and go, Some you gold know, gloves. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Underrepresented but, position. Yeah, 30, he's, he's the kind of guy you're going to look at and go, man, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but he's damn closer than I thought he was.
1: Right. I think that's the same thing that we feel about these guys going away. It's, it's cool, I think, to look back at years and think about, oh, like, we always we always talk about only the guys that made the Hall of Fame. And the almost guys get kind of slighted. And so we're here on this podcast as to they, sort of like. To
0: give them their spotlight. We're not
1: right. saying they were competitive. Completely
0: wrong, but maybe you should take another look at these guys because they
1: were really good ball players.
0: Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at AlmostCoop.